Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the uh, final show of 2020 for the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marchalina. Joining me once again, a former football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are we doing? Doing great, Joe. How was your uh, How was your Thanksgiving? Before we get get too far into this, oh, it was good. It was, uh, you know, I think like like we said, uh, you know, everybody experienced it a little differently than normal this year, and I would say that was the case with us. It was a little bit more low key and. Uh, you know, fewer people involved, but uh, it had turkey and family and football, so I'm not really sure what else you could ask for. Absolutely. You know, I, I add in there uh, a nap, and uh, my, my Thanksgiving was pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah, no, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it, too. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, normally this is the point where I tell you you can always send us feedback and questions uh, at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com uh, or at Twitter at uh, NHHS Sports. Uh, of course, uh, any questions you send us now are gonna. It's gonna be a while until we can answer them, uh, but you can still still send us an email if you like. Um, and of course, uh, the show you can still find them at nh-highschoolsports.com. If there's any you want to go back and listen to, um, you know, from throughout this year, and um, you know, even going back years too. Uh, all the shows are up there on the website. Um, you can go back and find one from this year or last year or, or even what 2016 was that the first year I think we were doing this yeah I I think 2016 might have right. been you might have even gone as far as back as 2015 but it was a different format than we had, had a different head coach on each week either way uh, you can, you but I, I could be wrong back. but I, I thought you had <laughs> done that format for a couple of years and then I joined you full-time after 16 something like that sounds about right something like that yeah yeah um of course, I also like to remind everyone that the Ninth State Sports Show was proudly sponsored by Greenblatt Norwalk, PLLC. Founded in 2017 on the belief that the partners were stronger working as a team, the offices of Greenblatt Norwalk specialize in criminal, family, and business law, along with estate planning and litigation. Seth Greenblatt, Jim O'Rourke, Jeffrey Odland, Mary Lynn Riddell, and Laura Dudziak take a collaborative team approach to representing their clients. With offices in Conticook, Milford, Plymouth, and Peterborough, they are available to work with you on your schedule. To contact Greenblatt Norwalk, call 603-746-1330 or visit golaw-nh.com. All right, so like we said, um, this is the final show of uh, 2020 for us. Um, and today we're going to kind of take a look back at, at what this uh, very... Uh, different year was um, kind, of, kind of the things that surprised us, kind of the things that stood out, uh, things that we you know maybe want to see happen going forward, and uh, we'll also take a look at uh, you know what we hope is a much more normal 2021 football season. Um, you know, oh, um, you're gonna say something there? Oh, I was just about to say <laughs> no, you, could, you can't get much weirder. So oh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Um, yeah, this was definitely, um, you know, definitely a season uh, unlike anything I think, um, you know, any of us expected. Um, you know, I, I, as you saw, uh, Mike, I, I started the, uh, of course, we'll have um, some, some kind of prognostications tomorrow on the website um, of, you know, who might make the playoffs in 2021. I think I started that out by saying, you know, when I sat down to write last year's, you know, I was just worried about well, what teams are going to be in which division and never, you know, never even considering that um, the bigger concern was where we're even going to have football. Uh, that thought never would have crossed my mind, um, you know, uh, 12, 12 months ago. 
So <laughs> I guess we're, yeah, I guess we're hoping for something a little closer to normal uh, at this, you know, in, in the next year. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking to that, at the, at the very beginning of the season when you and I were talking, I think we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, I, I think not to quote directly because I don't remember what the direct quote was, but I think our general feeling that we both agreed upon was, man, I'm glad they're able to play. I don't know that I would have made that same decision myself right. if I was some authority on whether we should all be playing or not. But I guess in retrospect, I mean, even though it was messy and it was a little bit uh, unorthodox, <laughs> to say the least, uh, you know, and there were certainly bumps in the road with schools that had to, uh, you know, to either pause or, or completely shut down or what have you. But I think, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, and I don't, I don't have this as fact in front of me, but I'm pretty confident in saying that I don't think there was a single instance where uh, you know, there was a, a transmission of uh, the COVID virus due to football I, I being mean, in play, right? There was nothing that we ever read or heard about where, uh, you know, Team A played Team B and all of a sudden Team A found out they had some infected players on it and Team B now as a result is in fact, like, we didn't get any of that. I don't, I mean, if there was, it was not reported anywhere. Like, it wasn't made public. Right. Um, and I feel like something like that sh- probably should have been made public if it was. I mean, not necessarily. Yeah. To, obviously, there's there's you know privacy things to consider. Um, you know, but just coming out and saying, yeah, you know, this this is what happened. Um, this is why this team's shutting down, and that's why that team. You're, you're right. I don't think that was the case anywhere. And I mean, you know, even if uh, there wasn't any anything that I heard of about you know any kind of major outbreaks within teams too, like you. You know, you heard of maybe like a a kid getting it at one school, and then I mean, there it wasn't like you know an entire team had to just sit out a couple of weeks. As right. Far, again, as far as I know. Um, right. Yeah. So I mean, it 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 does kind of make you go back and think about the things that we were concerned and nervous about. Not just we, you and I, but I mean the collective we uh, in New Hampshire. It makes you go back and think about the things that you were concerned about. And I think on one side you can breathe a sigh of relief that we were able to accomplish, uh, you know, a pretty entertaining season for all its ups and downs, but also that, you know, nothing bad came of it really, right? Only good came of it. That players were able to go out there and play. The coaches were able to go out there and coach and, uh, you know, get those guys better every week. And, you know, there, there wasn't a disaster. And, you know, I think it's, I think it says a lot for, um, you know, the job that the, the school districts and the coaching staffs did in terms of following the protocols, hopefully being careful about how they were going about their business. And, and you know, I, I think we also said a couple of times that it, it makes you realize whether you're a player or you're a coach or a fan or whatever, that, you know, a season like that can be taken yeah. just like that. Yeah. You know, you can be done. And so hopefully you know, it, it taught everybody to really cherish the season a little bit more. I'm, I'm sure that it did than you usually would. You know, that's that's kind of something I felt throughout the year. Like, I, I think I think we might have talked about it earlier in the season because, you know, talking to coaches that were, you know, you know, usually sometimes you, you get a coach who loses a game and, and it's it's tough, you know, trying to interview him afterwards or, or maybe the next day or, or whatever. And it's sometimes it's tough. Oh yeah, because you know, I always tried to be pleasant. By the way, <laughs> you, were, you were you were always pleasant. I don't know if I yeah, I've never 
I've never experienced an un- unpleasant Mike Lockman, which uh, <laughs> I don't think that's possible. Oh, he exists. <laughs> <laughs> but but you were saying though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I feel like I didn't see that too too often this year. Um, you know, I I think a lot of coaches were. Um, you know, we're, we're in the same – as much as they wanted to win and they were out there, they wanted to be out there, it, it felt good just to be out there. And, and, and obviously the situation was tough for everyone. I mean, you know, like we talked about a bunch of times, you know, you're – you know, with your workouts in the off season, and, and then you get into scrimmages, you know, and then you, you have an eight- or nine-game season. Uh, I, I mean, there was only one team that played nine games this year, and that was, that was Goffstown. Right. Um, that, you know, had no – no postponements, cancellations, forfeits, whatever. They made it through a five-game regular season and then a four-game playoff. Um, you know, in nine games is is usually what you get, you know, just in your regular season. I mean, you usually have, what, three scrimmages on top of that, um, you know, a couple playoff games if you're if you're fortunate. So, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. – um, I think I think there were a lot of people that were – I don't want to say just happy to be out there, but that were, were able to maybe take a, a kind of a longer view of things. And and not yeah. you know not get too worked up over the the small stuff. Yeah, you're no, you're exactly right. It gives you perspective on what's really important, right? You there is a drive, and there should be a drive. Otherwise, why the heck would you go out there? There, but there's a drive to win, and there's a drive to go out there and perform. And you know that that stuff is important. Otherwise, like I said, why the heck would you bother suiting up and you know, if you're a player or putting a game plan together, if you're a coach and, and showing up with the whistle, if you didn't care about that stuff, but it, but it does, I hope put things in perspective for the players and the coaches that, yeah, you want to compete and you want to pour your heart and soul into, uh, you know, trying to play the best that you can and trying to get it win. But the flip side of it is the world is not going to come screeching to a halt on Saturday morning. You know, if you lose a game on Friday night, yeah, it just isn't. And there's a lot to be gained from going out there and competing and having fun with your friends and laying it on the line. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, right? Somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. <laughs> so it doesn't always work out for you. The other guy's trying to beat you just as bad as you're trying to beat them. And so that's one of the, you know, you don't ever like to talk about the benefits of a global pandemic, but one of the side benefits hopefully is, you know, a renewed sense of perspective on some of these things. And I hope it lasts, right? I hope next year is a more normalized season and they get the full slate of games and there's far less of these ups and downs because we're just in a better place. But I hope that if anything does stick, it's the perspective maybe that, that everybody gained this season about just how precious it is to be able to play period. Uh, you know, from a uh, from an on the field perspective, um, you know, and I think I think we talked about this a little bit last week, uh, but just want to kind of reiterate it. You know, I think you know when you look at the the teams we had in Division One final, Division Two final, the teams that won in Division Three and Division Four, um, it it felt like e- even in the shorter season, it felt like those were the teams that that kind of you know, should have been there, that, that, that belonged in those finals, um, you know, that, that were the best teams. Um, same, you know, the teams that won felt like teams that, that had kind of carried the, the torch from beginning to end. Um, you know, so I think that, I, you know, 
in a season where we didn't know what was going to happen week to week in terms of who was playing and who wasn't playing, you know, what what team might pull off an upset here or there, um, you know, to have that happen, I think, was kind of kind of remarkable in a sense. Yeah, it is, and, and I think I think the only variable that you could argue, you know, may have. I'm not even sure I would say played into it a little bit, but, but, you know, we talked a lot at the beginning of the season too, about the, the shortened regular season and uh, you know, it, it, the impact that it has on wear and tear and injuries and all those kind of things. And so you, you know, the only question that you're left to ask would be, wow, imagine if North lost Curtis Harris Lopez again for the playoffs or geez, what happened if, uh, you know, Picard or one of the Hinaults or uh, a key offensive lineman for Gosstown was was injured in the regular season and couldn't return. You know, but I mean, that's a bunch of what ifs. I mean, that could happen at any time. Three games, five games, nine games. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, those risks are always there. But I think that's really the only the only question that you could ask about this season would, would be, um, you know, would the would it be possible for some of those turnouts to be different? if the teams were on that more grueling, you know, nine game regular season schedule and, and, you know, you have to manage things like uh, the physical health of the team a little bit more uh, carefully. Yeah. And then you added, I, I think to the, um, you know, we saw some programs that, that got bumped out because of COVID that, um, you know, I think of, of Pinkerton having to shut down its season um, before the playoffs um, Exeter, uh, dropping out, you know, going into the quarterfinals. Um, who else did we have? We had uh, Lebanon having to drop out of the semifinals. Yeah. Um, St. Thomas doing the same, going into their quarterfinal did, game. It was just. Did know, Bo forfeit a game too? Um, no, Bo, Bo was uh, lost to Lebanon the week before, but it was. And that, that's and then, right. There, you know, that's what we talked about. You know, to start. Um, you know, the reason Lebanon ended up dropping out was because. There was a, a kid at Bo who had played in that that quarterfinal game that then tested positive uh, later on. So there was concern yep. about transmission there. Um, yeah. You know, so it, 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 you know, there were a couple of, of situations where it was like, well, you know, I wonder what would have happened if. But I think I think despite that, we still saw, you know, the be- the best teams that were on the field, uh, or yeah. the, the best teams on the field for the finals. Yep, I agree. I agree. I mean, certainly you could say Pickerton could have been a factor there. You know, would Exeter have gotten better and been a factor with an upset somewhere? But I'm not so sure. Based on what we saw during the regular season, I think you're right, Joe. I think we saw, I think we saw the best matchups at the end of the year that we were going to see. You know, and the and the other thing I've been trying to trying to figure out in my head too is, you know, I usually at the end of the year I'll, I'll you know sit down and write up, you know, pick kind of. Uh, players and coaches of the year from each division and and this year I just I don't know if I, that's possible just because there was such little you know information I guess to go on in some cases um yeah you know but I mean yeah I mean there were teams that only played you know three regular season games right I mean um and and so that yeah it gets to be really hard to to do apples to apples comparisons and I mean on the coaching side Again, it's like we we kind of talked about at the at the very beginning of this thing. You, you know, you you got to take your hats off to all the coaches oh, and their right. staffs, yeah. yeah, just for the extra, you know, protocols and scrutiny and monitoring and 
any other synonym for those words that you can think of that they had to do and the flexibility of, you know, I, I think back to um, like, for example, uh, Salem and Merrimack finding out they were going to play each other like on a Wednesday night or something. Right. Yeah. And, and having to flip that switch, you know, <laughs> so you could hand out coach of the year awards to, uh, you know, what, what do we have? 60 some odd teams, something like 50, 56, maybe I think. Yeah, you could you could hand out almost that many awards probably just for the the unbelievable work that those staffs had had to do this year. I can't even imagine. Yeah, there was um, you know, to to change sports here for a moment. I remember when um finding out that the field when field hockey was voting for their all-state teams, a, a coach said the, kind kind of the same thing. You know, how do you vote on all-state teams and and how do you vote on coach of the year? Everybody's coach of the year this year. Yeah. You know, it just for everything that they've had to go through from, you know, going i'm probably going all the way back to march i mean because you're you know you're in in march you're what you're in your off-season weightlifting programs you're you're probably starting to plan your seven on sevens for the summer right yeah yeah in the in the march april time frame again it's kind of when the winter sports element ends and you know that can be variable depending on whether your teams go to the the playoffs and things i think but i the rule for the last five or six years has been you can start doing organized um, gatherings of, of different sorts, right? Not just your weight room stuff, but you can start doing, you know, skills stuff or, or like you said, seven on sevens or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, you, you really start ramping it up right when, you know, the spring sports, lacrosse and, and uh, you know, spring track and all those things start heating up is, is right when you're getting into your, your football prep in earnest. So, yeah, it's a long haul. Um. You know, so there were a couple of different things that happened this year in terms of scheduling, and uh, you know, one of them, I it, at the at the base of it, or in the very basic sense of it, I I love the idea, uh, and that's the kind of the regional breakdown of things, uh, regional scheduling kind of thing. You know, um, I mean, Division One has kind of been like that throughout. You know, with the East West North South conferences. Um, you know, they've kind of made it a little broader in, in Division Two. You were with just two conferences, um, you know, but then breaking the playoffs down that way uh, uh, that they did this year. Like I said, in, in theory, I like it. I like that you, you know, you know, you got to beat kind of your, your closest rivals to kind of get out of uh, the bracket and get into like the, the bigger statewide tournament. Um, but I just I don't know if it works uh, in a state the size of New Hampshire. Um, I think that it's, there's just not, if there was a guarantee of that, that you had, you know, like in the, in division one, you broke it down into four conferences and there was a team from all, you know, uh, that's coming out of each of those conferences that is a legit championship contender. Maybe it's a little bit different, but you're not going to get that every year. Um, you know, and, and you end up kind of with, uh, with finals that look kind of like those D three and D four finals did this year. So, so I'm, I'm going to go on the record as, as, uh, I like the idea, but but hopefully this is the last we have to see kind of regional playoff setups for for football. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you. Maybe not to the the full extent, but but for similar reasons, and then maybe for some different reasons too. I I really like the idea in theory, like you said, where you're you're kind of guaranteed to play your local rivals every year, and you know your your play against those teams determines your fate and but we've talked for years now uh maybe not at any great length but we've at least mentioned it each year 
you know, when you get stuck in these situations where one conference is just loaded and then there are other conferences that, that are weaker, it, it, you know, it defeats the purpose of what we've been talking about a little bit here, which is you want the best teams represented. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, I remember some instances in D1 where, uh, you know, it was probably three or four years ago, but where there were teams that had a, you know, a four and whatever record, but because of where they stood in their conference, they were getting into the playoffs over teams with a seven and whatever record. You might remember specifically. Yeah, no, the yeah, I, yeah I, I know what you're talking. Yeah. It was, um, the year that, yeah, the West conference, there were like three teams that had four wins. And, and then on the other side you had, I think Salem had seven wins and was going to miss the playoffs because of the way things were just structured. They've tweaked it a little bit though, but there's still, I think a little bit more room for, for some tweaking. Yeah. Well, and I remember, uh, you know, cause I got to make an excuse of my own here, but <laughs> I remember <laughs> being, right. yeah, you, yeah. When, when you, Oh, we were in a brutal conference yeah. when, when division two was, it was similar, right? We had four conferences. It was, it was Sauhegan, Milford, um, Wyndham, Trinity, and then we had one other t- team that it, it sort was, of rotated. It, yeah, was, um, it was John Stark at first. And, and then Pelham. Then Pelham, right. Yeah. 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 But, you know, there were years where you could say those four teams were some of the best in Division Two, but, you know, we'd all beat each other up, and, you know, we wouldn't make it, or Milford wouldn't make it, or, you know, whatever else, and, 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 uh, or Trinity, I think one year was a was a really good team, and they just they didn't make it, and um, and so that can be frustrating too if you're a player or a coach for a team like that, and you you have to go through a harder gauntlet. So, yeah, it's one of those things that we always talk about where it's like, I like it. I don't know how you can retain that thinking without you know sort of breaking out of it. Um, I, I do think that the Division One model is better now, and it's better than the old Division Two model was. So they've kind of cleaned it up, but I would almost yeah, it, was, it, it did have a weird impact on this season, certainly. I I think you know I I would like to see them maybe go a step further in Division One and make it a little bit more like Division Two, not necessarily with two conferences, but maybe taking the eight best teams, like turn you know take the do like Division Two where you go by the rating, and just take the eight best teams and seed them one through eight. Yeah, um, you know because because. And then that way too, you you get the opportunity of, um, you know, the way it's set up now, you're never going to have like a, a North South Championship game or a Londonderry Pinkerton Championship game or or Bedford Goffstown or Exeter Winnipeg. Right. You know, I mean, the, that's not only would that be a fun championship game because of the rivalries that those teams have. Um, you know, in some years too, they may be the best teams. You know, that's certainly happened a couple of times. You know, I think of of 2015 where. You know, Bedford and Goffstown were arguably the two best teams they played had to play in the semifinals. Right. You know, the, the following year, Bedford and Merrimack were were both very, very good teams. Um, and again, met in the semifinals. So, you know, that 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 by doing that, you kind of avoid those things, too. Yeah, I agree. That's that's another good point is that and I've always been frustrated with with that aspect of Division One, where you kind of landlock teams into you know the, the the particular sides of the bracket that they're on and then y- you never have an opportunity for like you said an exeter win a cunnet final it would never happen a north south final it will never happen so, and i think that's a lost opportunity 
So we'll um, when we're done with this, I'll clip that part out, and we'll we'll send that off to the football committee for uh, for consideration. Oh, I'm sure they will take that. Yes, they will. <laughs> they'll take that very. Well, they'll give our comments all the consideration <laughs> that they are due. <laughs> well, yeah, that is that is very true. Uh, well, so, all right. Well, then we'll you know we'll include this next thing. I'm going to say too, and we we definitely have talked about this uh, the last couple of weeks. But I would like to see you know this this year. Um, you know, the first year where Division three, uh, three and four each had ten teams, so you had a change to the number of teams making the playoffs. Uh, in Division three, it went from eight teams down to four, which cut a week off of the the playoffs. So you were we were going to have, um, like we did the D- three and four finals were going to be the second weekend of November and one and two the third weekend, um. You know, I ne- I don't know if if those would have still been at UNH if everything had been normal. Um, I hadn't, you know, I don't think it was ever determined because of how early on, you know, things started to get the way they did with with the pandemic. Um, but it would have been a two game, you know, final Saturday there at 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 UNH, uh, which you know is is perfectly fine. I I will I will go and watch you know two football games, championship games at UNH, you know, whenever you want to play them. Um, yep. But you know, just not having that third game, I think you know, really changes things. Yeah. And I think you know that it, it's worth you know would be worth looking into, um, you know, to saying then okay, well we're gonna add an, add another game there and have the champion from D three play the champion from D four as that you know early game of the the triple header there. I think that would be you know, a pretty fun thing to do. And, and this year, I think it would have been a fantastic game with, with Newport and Pelham both really being, you know, uh, head and shoulders above the rest of the, their divisions. Yeah, that would have been a phenomenal game. Um, and, and I've thought that even through the different formats that we've been in for many years, right, that sometimes it, it seemed to me like it would make sense that, especially for the lower divisions, the winner of, you know, this division and the winner of that division should play. Even when it was the old six division format, I used to remember thinking, geez, it would be really fascinating to see the winner of, of six and five play. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I guess where they would probably argue against us there would be, hey, yeah, you know, it, that might have been an awesome matchup this year. There are other years where potentially it wouldn't be so awesome, right? <laughs> so, uh, just depending, right, on the makeup of the divisions and things. But I- I'm not so sure that that's a reason not to do it. It's like you said, there's there's another week, and it's an opportunity to bolster the the UNH event, which I think is is something that as a as a state and as a football entity, right, uh, the NHIA football league should should be proud of. It's a really cool event it would be cool to bolster that event with another, with another uh, game. But you know, Joe, I, I would go so far as to say though, it should be a meaningful game. Yeah. Oh, of course. Right. So you can call yourself, if you were going to do that, you could call yourself the division four champ, but the new Hampshire state championship would have to be that three versus four game. Yeah, absolutely. To call yourself a state champ, right? You could say, yeah, you know, almost like conference champs or whatever. Okay. Interesting. And, and nothing to, nothing to be, ashamed of right that in itself but if you want to call yourself a state champ you have to win that game at unh it would be cool i'm I'm sure there's reasons why they don't do it i don't pretend to know what they are 
Um, or wine. And maybe despite your, your comment that, hey, you don't have to worry about emailing us, <laughs> somebody <laughs> might email and say, hey, you idiots, uh, you can't do that because of this or that or, you know, whatever. But I think just from a fan perspective, it, it would be awesome to be able yeah, to do oh, that. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and they could even, you know, make it, you know, there's nothing that says that these have to be called Division Three and Division Four. Make one, you know, 3A and the other one 3B and... There you go. You're playing for the Division Three title, right? Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's any way you wanna you wanna frame it up to make it work so people can get their heads wrapped around it. You could do it, right? I mean, geez, when I played, we had which was a hundred thousand years ago, but we had Division One, A, B, and C, <laughs> right? It was sort of like a Class L deal, but right. But then they had it was based on your your win history, right? So they had six teams with the most wins over the last six years or whatever it was, were in one a, uh-huh. you know, then the next tier was one B and the next, and then the following tier was one C. So it was, that's an interesting setup too, but same thing, right? At the end of the day, the division one state champion came out of, didn't matter whether you were one A, B or C, it came out of that grouping. It, it sounds like a lot of, like a lot of work to try to figure that out, but uh, it would be, it would definitely give us something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you, you mentioned, you, you mentioned emails and, uh, I don't want to, you know, before we move on, I don't want to forget about this, uh, because we did actually, or I should say we got an e- email, um, actually this was on Thanksgiving evening, uh, late in the day Thanksgiving, and I'm not sure if this was an email sent to me in regards to, you know, wanting to have this mentioned on, on the show. Um, I'm not going to mention who it came from, but I, for that reason, um, but the email just says, Finally, no Turkey Day games in New Hampshire. Uh, good idea since the season is over. And that's right. We, <laughs> we had no Thanksgiving games this year. Um, so someone who was happy about the lack of Thanksgiving games, about the lack of Thanksgiving games, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking for me personally, that the lack of, a, of Thanksgiving uh, games this year and having to cover a Thanksgiving game, you know, is going to be a good thing in the long run if they if they come back next year. Um, you know, like you know, we say sometimes what um, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah, uh, I am gonna gonna fall back in love with Thanksgiving football uh, next year. I I'm gonna predict. Uh, yeah. Just because of not having it this year. Um, you know, because I don't previously the 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 last couple of years, uh, North and South has had that Thanksgiving Eve game. And um, every year it's been freezing cold. Last year it was kind of like the championship games where it rained the entire time. Uh, so just miserable weather last year. Um, yeah. So I'm glad we had a year off of it from this year. So, but but next year I'll, I, I might feel different. It was it was always it's always kind of like you know you get to the finals and you're like man I'm 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 kind of I'm excited for these but I'm also kind of bummed that this means football is over. And then it's like, what? Well, I got a Thanksgiving game though, right? You know, like I, I get to cover that now. So for me at least, it's like a, you know, I, I think I'm done, but I'm not really done. Uh, and like it's like a one last gasp to to enjoy football season before it's over. Yeah, there's. It's like so many other things. There's so many pros and cons about it. I I, I was part of a Thanksgiving game rivalry for whatever it ended up being. Um, almost 20 years, I guess. Right. I, I think I was, uh, I was at Merrimack when we, we played Sauhegan and that was from like 97 through 
my last year there, which was 2006. Oh, so that wouldn't be 20 years. It would be more like 10. I'm sorry. Yeah. But hey, that's that new math I'm working with my kids on is scrambling my brains. But, uh, you know, there was always pros and cons, right? It was, you know, if you if you had a really great season, maybe even, you know, lost in the championship game or won the championship game, either way, right? You had to turn around and do it again in three days and try to get emotionally back into a game that technically, quote unquote, has no meaning. Uh, and then if you didn't do so well, you're, you're waiting three weeks to go play a game. How do you keep everybody motivated and focused and practiced up and, and so on and so forth during that length of a period? Um, so, you know, there's all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, what do you have to, to win or, 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 you know, to gain or lose if you were a state champion and then you have to go play a Thanksgiving Day game that you might lose? That really sort of saps the the luster off of the fact that you just won a state championship. Right. So there were, there's all these little nuances to it that I think make it a controversial thing to do. Uh, you know, especially back, you know, maybe 10 years ago when there, when there were a lot more Thanksgiving day games than just the, uh, the, the two city games that are played in Manchester and Nashua, right. You used to have Merrimack, Sauhegan and, um, I think Alvern, Alvern played Tingsboro, I think, a couple times, or maybe it was Londonderry, Londonderry played them. Yeah, they, they, they were Londonderry for a while. Same they were out of state for a little while. Yeah. You had uh, some some uh, Seacoast stuff going on. I don't remember whether it was Dover. Uh, maybe Portsmouth. Spalding, or Dover and Portsmouth, maybe. Yeah, so, you know, there were, there, there were at one point there were a bunch of them. But anyway, the what I've noticed, though, and I, you know, is – I'm not so sure that the game was as popular in the recent years. You know, I can remember back in like the late nineties and early two thousands that there would be a ton of people at those games and they were really kind of a a special event. And it it seems to me like recently, especially with maybe Nashville moving them to the, the nighttime or whatever. And not that I've been to one of those, but just sort of seeing it on TV and stuff that it's not as well attended. I, I don't know if you have a thought on that, but I would say that last year's definitely wasn't beat, but I, I mean, that was, it was supposed to rain, um, you know, again, throughout, I think that had an effect on it. Um, yeah. you know, the, the previous couple of years though, I, I feel like it was somewhat well attended or at least compare, at least comparable to when it was held, you know, Thanksgiving morning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good then. I mean, and that's technically, I think why Nashua moved the game. Right. Um, but you know, it's funny, a, a friend of mine, uh, who I know through football actually posted uh, on social media on Thanksgiving Day the 1998 Nashua uh, Unified Nashua versus BG um, game that was played at Holman Stadium. And I'm not going to lie, I watched every play of that game. <laughs> it was like a TV broadcast, uh-huh. and uh, uh, Tom King and John Fagula were doing the the broadcast. <laughs> And right, yeah, and uh-huh. it was pretty entertaining. But man, that stadium was packed, uh-huh. and like the the atmosphere there and the environment was rocking. And uh, I watched that. I was like, I'm not going to watch this Lions game. The game's terrible, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm going to watch this. This is this is football. It was pretty cool to watch that and think about, you know, that that Thanksgiving football can be special. It can also be a pain in the butt <laughs> in, in terms of high school football. Well, in, in 98, too, you had um, – uh, the year before Nashua had won Division One, yes. 
And I think yes. maybe they had been, a, I believe they were a playoff team. That was, I should remember because that was actually my senior year of high school. They so lost. I should, I should remember that. They lost in the semis to Concord. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Who went on and I think played Central. Uh, London, Londonderry. I actually just, it just pulled it up in front of me. They played Londonderry in the final and lost to Londonderry. Okay. Yeah. And then, but, but BG had was ended up losing in the final to Exeter that year. Right. Right. And that was one of Tony Johnson's first years yeah, yeah. at BG. So that was a, you know, again, kind of a tough turnaround for BG. You lose in the finals. You got to go a couple days later and play, um, you know, a team that you haven't had a lot of success against in the, in the Thanksgiving day yeah. game. And, you know, yikes, how do you, how do you get the team ready to go? But yeah, interesting stuff. It, it, good to talk a little Turkey football, but, uh, Sounds like some people not particularly appreciative of it. One, at least one person. At least one listener. And but you know the good news is I can understand that. I really can. Yeah. By the time I was done with Thanksgiving football as a coach, I, you know, somebody had asked me, uh, "Hey, you know, do you want to sort of renew that?" When I had gone over to Sauhegan, somebody had asked me, "Hey, do you want to kind of renew that with Merrimack?" You know, and I remember the AD talking to me, and and at the time I think um, Coach Lorendi was at Merrimack. Right. Yeah, and I think they sort of pulled us, and we were both like, "Yeah, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I think we're good." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think I think that probably wraps it up for for 2020. Um, I think it's time to take a look at uh, at 2021. Uh, so what we're gonna do here, um, I, you know, for those those that have have kind of tuned in in the past, they, you know, you know. I I've uh, will also be posting on on Tuesday um, my own predictions of who's going to make the playoffs in all four divisions next year. Um, done that the last couple of years, um, but we're we're not going to actually reveal who's going to do that here. I, I want you to actually read it, <laughs> read the post for for tomorrow. Um, I will say this though, um, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back here. I've gotten kind of good at um, at predicting who's going to make the playoffs uh, a year in advance. Um, yeah, you want me to run through the numbers here just, just real quick before we get started? Well, I think after making that particular statement, uh-huh. I, I, I think you've got to run through the numbers. <laughs> Not just to, to show everybody how brilliant you are, but because it will entice people to want to go check out what so. it is that you're saying is, is more than likely going to happen next year. So, so this year was kind of a rough one, but I'm going off of, of, um, you know, obviously the format was different. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm still going to, I'm still going to put these numbers here, put this together here. I'm going to go, I'm and how I'm looking at this was the teams that made the quarterfinals in D one and D two and the semifinals in D three and D four. Cause those would have been the playoff teams this year. So I got 15 out of 24 of those. Correct. Uh, All right. This year, which not a great number, but but this was a weird year. So looking at last year, uh, 2019, again, it was D3 actually had eight playoff teams. So there's four extra teams here. Uh, last year, I hit on 22 out of 28 playoff teams. A year in that's, advance. That's pretty impressive. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the year before, uh, because D3 and 4 was uh, in flux. We didn't know if there was going to be a fourth division or not. I only did Division 1 and Division 2 and got 12 out of 16 uh, th- that year for the 2018 season. And then uh, 2017, uh, it was 18 out of 24. So not not huh? perfect not perfect by any means, but, um, you know, better than I would have expected. No, but, you know, when you put the amount of... Uh analytics and mathematical number crunching 
uh, into the special, uh, you know, computer program that you personally designed to <laughs> to then, predict these things. I mean, you know, you expect those kind of results. Well, Joe. then you then you sprinkle in my own personal biases too. I mean, that that, that also has to take effect too. <laughs> yeah, right. That 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 plays some small part, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say. Um, you know, I guess the, the, probably the biggest question going into next year um, that isn't, you know, related to COVID, um, and I hadn't thought of this until someone mentioned it to me uh, like a week or two ago, is, um, you know, what it, what are the clusters going to be in Division One next year? Um, you know, this year they were supposed to be, uh, or, or, you know, scheduling-wise, it was supposed to be Northeast and Southwest in the regular season. Uh, that is what they did with the playoff brackets, but I don't know if that means they're going to just continue on to the next, you know, kind of rotation or if they're going to redo this year. Um, if they were to move on next year, it would be Northwest and Southeast. Um, but the one thing, uh, you know, that that kind of, you know, leaves us with, thankfully, is that I think the two teams that go into next year as, as kind of co-favorites end up on opposite sides uh, with Salem and Goffstown. Um, you know, they wouldn't see each other until the final. And I think those are, are the two teams, with all fairness to, I, I think Pinkerton you can kind of throw in there too as maybe uh, the third co-favorite. But um, I think those three, those two teams definitely are, are maybe at the top of the list going into next year. Yeah, it, it's harder to say about Pinkerton just because we didn't have as much uh, experience watching them uh, because their season got cut short, right? You can You can look at a roster and say, yeah, you know, they've got some talented guys back and, you know, they've got a few holes to fill, but, um, you know, they're always able to reload pretty well. Um, but, you know, we talked about Gosstown at pretty good length last week. And, you know, even though they're losing some, some uh, household names, um, you know, like, like Picard and uh, the Henault brothers and, and so forth, they, they have a good crop coming back, as you pointed out. Yeah. The, the, biggest, um, the biggest thing for, for a lot of the teams that look like they're going to be contenders is actually replacing quarterback position. Um, yeah. Which is a lot of senior thing to say. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, uh, you know, like you said, no disrespect to some of these other teams. I mean, Nashua North coming off a, an undefeated championship season. We're not mentioning them. Uh, you know, it's interesting to think about New Hampshire football without Curtis Harris Lopez, who's been a name we've been talking about for, you know, three straight years now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, that's a big hole to fill. Some of those other skill positions, and certainly some of the the, the players that they had up front at North uh, end up being big losses, if I'm not mistaken. Big yeah. holes to replace. Yeah, they they definitely have some some good kids coming back, but just the number of kids that they're they're losing. Um, what, what I think is going to be interesting, though, is um, you know you look at North. Um, South too is going to be losing a bunch of kids. Merrimack, um, Bishop Girton, uh, I, I'm, you know, they're always a hard one to figure out just because of the the angle of of kids coming in and transferring out and, yeah, um, you know. But I I think those four teams, um, any one of those four could win the conference next year, and you know, I I think that that is going to be probably the most competitive conference in the division not that that any one of those teams i think is a is a front runner to you know win a title i just think that that they're going to beat each other up and you may end up having a team you know that goes you know six and three 
uh, finishing first over there. Yeah, and, and honestly, that's kind of what I thought this year would have looked like for that conference if it wasn't for you know everything kind of going haywire and you know half of them didn't play each other and et cetera, et cetera. Right? It, it was shaping up to look that way this year too. A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I mean, uh, you know, North North certainly had in shoulders, but yeah. on any given day, you could see somebody challenging them. Right. All things being equal, and certainly playing well against each other, right? And I think a good indicator of that is like the Merrimack South game, for example. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. there would have been more games like that um, if everybody had had sort of played everybody this year. But I, I think you're right. I think looking forward to next year, I think you're going to see a lot of goodness in terms of competitiveness coming out of that group. Uh, you know, in in Division Two. Um... <laughs> Every year, it seems I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should take this out of the uh, the numbers I, I read earlier because it almost doesn't seem fair to just sit here and say, "Yeah, Plymouth is going to be a playoff team uh, every year in Division Two. Um, but I mean, that kind of I, I don't see that changing. I, I mean, you look at at what they're obviously they're losing, you know, a good senior class, and they've got some pretty good kids coming back, you know, to to fill in their place. You know, I don't necessarily know if they're the favorite to to reach the finals for the the seventh year in a row, um, you know. But I certainly wouldn't count them out. Uh, definitely, you know, would consider them to be a playoff team and and, and a team that could potentially finish first in that uh, East Conference. Of course, the East West breakdown was supposed to happen this year, but um, uh, I would assume is going to happen next year. Uh, and and what I also found kind of interesting is if you look at you know what what the West Conference is you know the last two championships you got Sauhegan and Hollis Brookline uh, teams kind of from the southern part of that Western Conference winning I think next year you know the balance of power is going to shift a little further north and you're going to have you know Bo Lebanon uh, HDH and maybe even Hanover being some of the top teams in that conference. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it it's funny. It's kind of gone back and forth in Division Two in terms of which, maybe not where the best team comes out of, but it always feels like no matter how they're divided, uh, it's been North and South for years now. I think correct, but since they were, it, since it went you always kind of feel like one of those conferences is the more loaded one, right? And it's just you know it's just a matter of time until that clash happens at the end of the year where you really kind of figure out who the champion's going to be. But um, yeah, with Plymouth, I. I was under the impression they had a smaller senior class they were graduating yeah, to. I, I, yeah, that is the case this year. Um, I think it's like seven kids or something. Yeah. Um, which, again, c- kind of goes to what you were you were saying in terms of, um, you know, they should be right back in the thick of it. Not that, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're going out on any huge limbs by making that prediction, <laughs> but um, certainly would stand to reason. Absolutely. Um you know, I'm I'm interested to see what some of the other teams in the in the you know our area, the the you know southern part of the state, end up doing. Um, you know, Timberlane is in in the division for another year um, as part of the two year cycle. Um, they were, you know, competitive this year. Um, I, I'd like to see what happens with them next year. Um, you know, I think I got to think Milford's going to bounce back from you know what we kind of we kind of thought was going to be a tough year for them, um, just because of how young they they looked uh, on the roster. But I think they've got some pretty good um, kids coming back. Certainly will be in it. And then um, you know, like I mentioned, Sauhegan and Hollis Brookline being the the last two champions. But 
I think both of those teams now are, are I mean, Sauhegan was very senior heavy this year. Uh, Hollis Brookline had a lot of seniors two years ago with some, you know, key juniors sprinkled in on the championship team. Now those kids are also graduating. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they, both of those programs, you know, do they take a big step back? Are they able to remain competitive? Uh, I, I'm really interested yeah. to see how that goes. You know, you got to figure the way I look at Sauhegan, for example, is kind of the same. You might learn something from the way that we looked at uh, not not we meaning you and I publicly or, or even personally, but just in general. I think what the what the thinking was around Hollis Brookline after their championship last season, which was you looked at losing uh, Sander and Quinton Wimmer. Uh, some of the other skill position guys that they had, certainly some people they had up front and on the defense and, you know, you'd say, okay, Hey, great. You know, but they're, they're probably going to be down next year. And yeah, I mean, they, they definitely weren't the same team this year, but they were still pretty good. Yeah. And I would say they were, I'm, I'm very, very comfortable admitting they were, they performed better this season than I thought they would. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, absolutely. I thought they'd be way down. So I kind of look at, I kind of take that some learning out of that one and apply it to Sauhegan where you say, you know, Sauhegan was really dominant this year, but I also think that, um, you know, they were, they were culturally sort of a classic championship team, right? You could tell uh, those guys all loved playing. They loved playing with each other. They loved playing for their coaches. So, you know, some of that is going to carry over into those, those younger guys who hopefully learned from the seniors who will leave a legacy and, you know, are bought into the system uh, whether it's the, you know, when, you, when I say system, I really mean the program, the right. the off season and all that kind of stuff. And so my guess is, you know, you probably don't want to count that team out either. Um, you know, not to say they're going to come back and, and immediately contend because you're right, you know, filling holes is filling holes. Um, but my guess is they won't be, they certainly won't be a weak team. Uh, you know, the um, the other two divisions, it's just, Trying to only pick four teams to to make a playoff, you know, the playoffs is just uh, it's nearly impossible <laughs> for me. You yeah, know, it's almost you know, especially in Division Three. I feel like Division Three is so deep, um, you know, and and just only picking four or only having four teams making it just it really it really is tough. But and and looking at the at what's coming back, um, you know, it still looks to me like Pelham is going to be the team to beat. Um, you know, I know they, again, like, uh, the other teams that we mentioned, you know, that we, we looked at as favorites, they're losing some really good seniors, but there is a lot coming back for, for the Pythons. Um, I certainly think they're going to be a team that's up there. And, um, you know, the other one is Monadnock that, um, (laughs) you know, they're kind of like, kind of turning into like a, you know, Western, uh, New Hampshire, uh, western part of New Hampshire's Plymouth, in a sense. I mean, yeah. they, don't, they haven't won as many championships, obviously, but you know, they they graduate kids and they replace them with some really good ones, and those kids win a bunch of games and move on, and then some others come in. It, it just it, it's it's you know a testament to what the program has turned into over there. They they are consistently one of the better programs um, in Division Three year in and year out. Oh, definitely. I mean, they've been very good since the old five and six division format, you know, I mean, I can remember the year we were really good at Hollis, um, 2011, uh-huh. uh, you know, we ended up in the, in the, in the uh, top 10 poll a couple weeks, I think. 
Uh, we scrimmaged Monadnock when they were a Division Five team, and they kind of took it to us. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, they were good. I mean, we walked out of that scrimmage saying, wow, are we not as good as we think we're going to be? You know, a little Division Five Monadnock. But then when you start to see how they performed as they moved up through different realignments, right? There was a while where Monadnock was playing uh, up in Division Two. Right, yep. Think right where they, you know, they were playing. They played us when I was at Sauhegan. They would play Milford, et cetera, right? And and uh, they were good. And so, you know, they've been good for a long time. I, I think you're right. And so it's it's hard to count them down and out and not include them in, a, in an analysis like that. And then I guess you got to think about their, the other team that was very similar to that, uh, different style maybe, but but very similar in terms of their performance and what they bring to the table every year was Campbell. Campbell had a down year this year. Yeah. So the question is, was that a rebuilding hiccup or, you know, are they, are they sort of in a, in a talent um, bathtub uh, that they're going to need to come out of? And, and, you know, certainly you you hope and you would put your money on the former, um, you know, that they're going to rebound and, and, you know, that they, they took their lumps this year, but there was a lot of learning involved in that and they're going to come back stronger next year. You know, another team I would kind of put in that category too, uh, even though they, they made it to the final, um, is Stevens. You know, they um, they had a roster with not too many seniors on it, mostly juniors and sophomores. Um, you know, they played, um, I think, a couple Division two teams. I think they played Hanover, Lebanon. Um, they played Newport, I believe, uh, who was, you know, I think would have been competitive playing some D2, a uh, couple more D2 games than they did. Of course, they lost 11 and only by one. Yeah, um, that tells you yeah. everything right there, yeah, how good so they I, were. I think Stevens is going to be in that category, too, of a team that, that, you know, maybe, you know, took it on the chin a little bit this year, uh, certainly in that final um, against Pelham, but um, is going to come back stronger next year. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and And also, right, I think we talked a little bit about how – they struggled to string consecutive games together at times this season, right? Just because of, you know, COVID protocol shutting things down or whatever. Right. Right. Um, I don't remember the exact circumstances of how their season played out, but I know it was limited. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, we were talking about, Hey, you know, typically you've played two or three scrimmages in in a jamboree before you even play a game. I think we were saying they had played potentially fewer games than even your preseason scrimmages would have had you at, if I'm not mistaken. That that sound, I think so. Maybe they might have played a couple more, but I'm I'm you know, off the top of my head, I don't don't remember too too well. Right. So so yeah, but so my point being, you know, hey, you you, you put a talented team like that with some some good kids coming back, you know, into a regular season where you 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 can have your preseason and all those type of things and you know, you're on more of a level playing field than, hey, you know, we might have only had three games under our belt. We're going to play a team that's had five or six games under their belt. And, and you know, that sort of, uh, you know, it, it sort of levels that field out a little bit more for you. Uh, Division four, um, I I really don't know what to make about a lot of the teams that are coming back here. I mean, Newport, um, you know, just looking over their roster, I mean, they lose a lot of their key guys to graduation, but they still had a lot of kids, you know, uh, juniors that were contributing. So, I mean, I would assume, I, I guess, my guess is that they're going to be kind of the team to look at, you know, going into the to next year. Um, 
along with um, the team that they beat in the final, Summersworth. Um, you know, they've got what looks like a pretty good roster coming back. And, um, you know, I think, unfortunately, I, they're definitely one that, you know, we talked about that, I mean, they played three games last year, um, including that championship game. So, yeah, definitely a team that, that uh, barely got through the equivalent of a, of a preseason. So, um, yeah, and that might have been, Joe, that might have been the team I was thinking of um, when I was talking about Stevens. Although I think I do think Stevens might have had a limited season they, too. Yeah, but they it, definitely had. I think their their semifinal game got got for, uh, forfeited. Yeah. Um, so they yeah so they they may not have even played a playoff game. I think or no, they played uh, Laconia. I think in the in the first round and then right yeah, and then moved on. Uh, but you're right. I, I I definitely remember looking at Summersworth and saying, "Wow, they've they don't even have the equivalent of a full preseason." Yeah, under their belts, and you know they're having to go in and and play a team that's not only played a a good chunk of games, but you know they've had they had that game against Leb. They had that big win against Manadnock, who we were just praising up and right. down. That's right. Man, that's a tall order to go into a championship game and do that, right? So it you don't know whether you get a full appreciation for what those programs could do really. Yeah. And you know, to, to, to be fair to go, you know, and going back and trying to remember what happened with some of these teams. I mean, granted it's only been about a month or so, but it's 2020, like a, a month is like the equivalent of like five years, I think this in, in, in 2020. So, Oh, it's true. I <laughs> not trying to make it, but I'm, I'm struggling to remember some of the details because it feels yeah, like it was yeah. a long time ago. I think the playoffs started, um, like a year ago, right? Like we're, yeah. it's been a year since the start of the football playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Um, I think we can, I don't know. Is it fair to, to pat ourselves on the back? Um, because, uh, we did it. We made it through the 2020 football season. Um, uh, not just, you know, the kids playing on the field, but, but us doing this podcast and you all listening to us. Um, yeah, we're, we're through, uh, another football season, and uh, certainly one that I don't think any of us ever would have anticipated. No, definitely not. But you know, I, I would imagine for the for the coaches, and certainly for the players, um, even though it was an abbreviated season, or or in some cases, um, you know, uh, at least an up and up and down season where you never knew whether you're going to have a game week to week, and that could be frustrating in the moment. It is it has got to be one of those things that you will never forget. Right. You know, and, and I, like we said at the top of the, um, the show here, right. I, I, I do think that it has given a lot of people involved in the sport in the, in this state and probably across the country, uh, a little bit of a different perspective on what's really important and how precious it really is. Right. You talk to your seniors about, Hey, this could be the end. And you know, you might never play the game again. So cherish it. I always felt like that was such a hard message to get across to my team because I think young guys, it's very rare for them not to feel, you know, the old cliche is not to feel immortal. Right. Yeah. Right. This is, it's never going to end. And I'm going to, you just don't, you don't think about endings when you're 17 years old, Absolutely. 18 years old. Well, that was in your face every single week this year. And if you love the game, uh, it taught you a little bit, I think about how to cherish your teammates and your coaches and the competition and, and the preparation. So hopefully, like I said earlier, that the byproduct of this whole thing is that it, 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 it puts a little bit more meaning around things when coaches try to teach teams, Hey, 
you got to work your tail off and, and enjoy it and put everything you can into it because it's not going to last forever. Now you kind of get a perspective as a young guy who, you know, sort of feels immortal about things like, you know, nothing's ever going to end that. Yeah, it, it can end that quick. Well, um, well, before we go, I definitely I want to mention again, uh, the show has been uh, the last couple of weeks been sponsored by uh, Greenblatt No Work, PLLC. Um, and they specialize in criminal family and business law and estate planning and litigation. Uh, again, just very thankful for them to uh, to, you know, enjoy the show enough to want to sponsor it. And and uh, definitely has been a huge help for us uh, over here. Uh, if you want to contact Greenblatt No Work, uh, you can reach them at 603. Uh, 746-1330 or visit golaw-nh.com uh, Mike, I think um, I don't know, any, any final thoughts before we wrap up or, or are we ready to uh, to, to kind of close the book on 2020? I, I, I guess we're ready to close the book on it. I'm going to miss it. Uh, you and I have had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, you know, I think absolutely. you know the, the, the listeners probably don't appreciate this, but I think you know they wouldn't realize you and I talk about as much offline as we do on the show, yeah. you know, in terms of sort of just prepping and, you know, rehashing games and, and, and laughing about things that have happened during the week and stuff. So it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, it, you know, every year when we, when we wrap this up, it's, uh, it's nice to be able to put a bow on it and say, Hey, we got through another season, but the flip side is, you know, you, you, you miss doing these things because they are fun. So, uh, I've, I've enjoyed the heck out of it as I always say, and, and always do. Yeah, it definitely is a lot of fun to um, to be able to talk about this stuff, um, you know, in kind of a, uh, I guess, a oh, public setting, um, you know, and having other people to kind of chime in at us, you know, whether it be through, again, through emails or, or in person. Um, I definitely love hearing the feedback, uh, you know, and it's, yeah, it's always it's always tough to uh, to kind of wrap up and then, and then think, you know, oh, we're not going to really be talking football again for another what, not, um, seven, eight months or so. Yeah. Although we usually find a, uh, an excuse, <laughs> you know, like somewhere around February, March to come back on and talk about something, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, they announce the, uh, the various all-star rosters, whether it's the chat or the shrine game. And we, we have a, we have a little, little confab about that or whatever, but we usually find a reason to get ourselves back together just to break up the winter doldrums. Yeah, we'll figure some. We'll think of something. There's all. We'll, we'll make an excuse up we'll, to get back together. <laughs> find some reason, and you know what? Maybe, maybe even by then we can actually do. We can actually do it uh, sitting across from each other. Yeah, one could hope. I'm not going to count on that, but uh, no. Never but know. that was that was more fun. I will I will give you that. Well, he is uh, Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again for for another fun season, and uh, already looking forward to next year. Same here. Thanks a lot, Joe. I am Joe Marcellina. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you in 2021.